0: You don't, you always have to be a part of everything. Mm -hmm. Just get out of here. Mm -hmm. Get out of here. With the burger and the microphone now. Mm -hmm. Goodness gracious. (laughs) With the burger. (laughs) (laughs) These two things.
1: Welcome to the 75th episode of Beer and Fear. My name is Zach.
0: Gonna Sorry. Where's Paige?
1: <laughs> this week we're going to talk about space. The
0: final frontier.
1: These are the voyages of the USS Enterprise.
0: This podcast is now a Star Trek <laughs> fan podcast only.
1: It's five-year mission.
0: Where Patrick Stewart stands.
1: <laughs> I never watched uh, really any of the, the next generation one. stuff.
0: Oh, blasphemer!
1: I was always first uh, the original series. Disgusting. Star Trek original series.
0: Disgusting. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'll, uh, Patrick I'll, Stewart is the superior space captain.
1: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll try it out. I'll I'll watch it. I'll have to watch the new one you told me about. Oh, the new one Sounds so cool. Fun. Before we get into space, how was your week?
0: <laughs> when was the last time we talked? Last week. Last Tuesday? I think so. Um, did I do anything worth noting?
1: I definitely didn't.
0: I worked, and I saw my dad on Sunday, and that's about it.
1: You were sending me a lot of pics of your uh, doggos.
0: Yeah, I was I really hanging like out with that. the Pupperinos. You really like that. The Pupperinos. Um, what about
1: you? Oh, yeah, see? I even saved one.
0: Oh, <laughs> the, the most flattering one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank goodness. Because we'd pick an ugly one.
1: <laughs> um, I had a pretty chill week. We uh, we went to the Arboretum, Ellie and I. Um, and I worked. And let's see. I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, we went to Chicago. That was a lot of fun. What you guys doing, Chicago? Um, just walked around. We saw we saw a lot of protests. The um,
0: oh yeah, the Ukraine protests. Yeah, yeah,
1: a lot of people walking around with uh yellow and blue flags, uh in Chicago. That was pretty neat to see. We got Shake Shack. Uh, we walked to the lake. And then we went to uh, the Athletic Association, which I really like going to. Is that to. like your thing now? Yeah, it's super cool. It's definitely like 100% my my mood, my vibe. I love it. Oh, it definitely is. And then uh, Ale made uh, enchiladas, and they were delicious. Enchiladas?
0: Yep, enchiladas. <laughs> you don't pronounce
1: any part of it. Enchiladas. Enchiladas. And now I'm here. Now I'm home, according to my phone.
0: According to my phone,
1: so what it tells me, I'm doing. I'm at home.
0: Oh my gosh, our snap streak is gonna end. No, it's not. Just hanging out with this nerd.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's never gonna end. Uh-huh. Our beer. Oh, I look terrifying. Oh, hold on. You look terrifying. Yes. I'm a little scared. The beer. Correction. The brewery for. This week's episode on space is from uh, Arvon Brewing Company.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Do you remember Arvon Brewing?
0: Nope. It's a blur at this point.
1: Episode 61 okay. on seances. Um, we had a beer by Arvon Brewing.
0: Was that your episode?
1: It was. Uh, Arvon is located at 1006 Division Avenue South in Grand Rapids, Michigan, 49507. Michigan? So I picked this beer out while we were in Michigan. Oh, uh, Michigan? Uh, Arvon Brewing Co. located in Grand Rapids, Michigan, creating bold New England style IPAs and heavily fruited sours that craft beer that craft beer enthusiasts are proud to drink. Our mission at Arvon Brewing Company is to craft excellent beer. We are committed to making beer that challenges expectations and upholds superior quality. Arvon means the people's friend, and we hope you'll come drink with us and share the bond that is good beer. Cheers. Cheers. I don't know what language Arvon means, uh, the people's friend, but I'm going to take their word for it. It means the people's friend. The beer by Arvon Brewing is called Space Chase. Oh, that's funny. This is a New Zealand pilsner with Moteca. Motueka,
0: Motueka,
1: Motueka. It's M O T U E K A. Motueka,
0: Motueka,
1: with Motueka and Rewaka hops.
0: Rewaka,
1: fresh, clean, crisp New Zealand hoppiness and soft fruit flavors. A great Yum. beer when you're looking for something just a bit lighter with plenty of hops. So this is a pilsner. Uh, we've only had one other pilsner before. That was Food Truck by Ravinia Brewing.
0: Really, we've only had one.
1: Only one. Wow. Yep. Food We're Truck really not was the, out as much
0: as we was we the first
1: pilsner we had. This is going to be number two. Craftbeer.com says this about pilsners: quite possibly the most iconic beer style in modern history. The pilsner captured the attention of beer drinkers across the world and inspired a myriad of regional lim- imitations. This lightly colored, exquisitely balanced lager remains one of the most loved beers to enjoy and one of the most challenging for the brewer to create. Pilsner are character- characteristically light in color and have a very short finish. The world over, pilsner style lagers have become the standard beer for many reasons, and American craft brewers have worked hard to put their own unique spin on this classic German beer. Pilsners pair well with shellfish, chicken, salads, white cheddar cheese, and shortbread cookies.
0: Shortbread cookies. Oh, white cheddar cheese, though.
1: White cheddar cheese. I like white cheddar cheese.
0: That sounds good.
1: Um, and this is a uh, lager. Yeah. It's a lager, not an ale. It's 5.5% ABV, okay. unknown IBU or SRM. There is no score on Beer Advocate. There Uh-oh. is a page for it. Uh, so it's got an average rating of four out of three ratings. And there is a review. Uh, actually, I think the only review that I saw on Beer Advocate, and I'll read that after we try the beer.
0: Waka, waka.
1: We have matcha KitKat,
0: Hershey's. <gasps> Who was the other one? Hershey's.
1: Matcha KitKat. Matcha KitKat. Matcha KitKat. Yeah.
0: I haven't had those in so long. I got, the last time I had them was when I worked at Disney because they sell them at the Japanese really? part of Epcot. Oh.
1: Yeah, there's, uh, CM Chicken was a Korean-inspired uh, chicken restaurant that Ali and I went to. And it's off of 59. Korean-inspired? Yeah, remember where Fox and Hound used to be?
0: Oh, over by the the ramen place. Yes,
1: there's a whole bunch. There's of a bubble tea Asian. place over yes. there. We got bubble tea. There's a whole bunch of Asian supermarkets and restaurants and things. I like was that.
0: talking to how, about my sisters about how I want to go get ramen there.
1: Yeah, we should. The three of us should go one day. And the the store is where we bought these. So they have a supermarket for Asian we stuff. With more time. It's Very good. Yeah, we'll need to go back there again. We didn't have a whole lot of time. This is Arvon Brewing. They did. Um,
0: Looks like a Queen album.
1: What? What did they? What did Stranger Than It wasn't Stranger Than Fiction. No, Stranger Than Fiction was like. um, No, it was like one of the first ones we did.
0: Oh God, she's spitty. Oh, that smells weird. What were we looking up though?
1: It's a Pilsner. Kind of smells like weed. (laughs) I think it's the hops. That might be me. I was trying to look up uh, episode 61, the beer that we had, what it was called. <laughs> it smells like cat litter. Ah, uh, no. Profound Technique. Profound uh, Technique was the one by Arvon. What episode was that? Episode 61 of seances. seances.
0: Yes. That's right, because I told you that made no sense.
1: Profound Technique, a well, seance? Then, and then
0: you were like, because it, it takes technique. Because it takes technique to do a seance. Profound Seance? Yeah, that's what you tried to sell me on.
1: The the uh, it smells like cat litter. The smell is planty, like it cat like, litter, like the like like cat plants.
0: pissed in litter. Okay, well, <laughs> cat litter. You know, I was thinking about this. How a lot of the breweries like our comments or like our posts on Instagram. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, they don't listen to these episodes. No, they just because I'm the... just talking shit. Yep. <laughs>
1: No, they just. They're
0: like, oh, people appreciating our beer. This tastes like ass. Smells
1: like cat litter.
0: Smells like cat piss. (laughs) No effort was put into this. They
1: definitely
0: don't listen. No. If they did, they'd probably take their likes back.
1: It 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 smells it smells like hops. I don't. I, it's weird that a pilsner smells this strong. Usually pilsners Very pilsners don't have a smell typically.
0: Very opy. So that was a dolphin. It's a salmon. <laughs> yeah,
1: the same exact thing. He's
0: like, oh, it's majestic. I was like, oh, it's
1: a dolphin. Oh, oh, nope.
0: that, that's freaking salmon. Nope.
1: It does have the color of apple juice. Yeah, apple I is. love pilsners. I might like this. This is the hoppiest i've ever had (laughs) i don't want to drink it but it's not bad it's not in your face it just doesn't it's weird it has the it has the hoppy edge of like an apa or an ipa
0: it's got a very sweet undertone to it yeah before the hop hits your tongue and i don't like it i like the sweetness it's very pleasant but i don't like how hoppy it is
1: with the yeah it's the hoppiness of like a a pale ale mixed with the crispness and cl- it's just got that bitterness
0: that dances along your tongue and makes longer. it just I don't know I don't know.
1: That is a unique, interesting beer.
0: I'm not wowed. Cat piss.
1: I'm wowed, but I'm I'm just not. <laughs> You're also easily wowed. I'm not overly wowed. I like I think I like food truck better.
0: Food truck was good. <laughs> But I also think I liked beer more back then. No, I hate it.
1: (laughs) Now you hate beer. This is the review by Big Iron H. Hey, Big Iron H. From Michigan. Thank you for calling. Pores translucent.
0: Translucent.
1: Translucent. Translucent. (laughs) Pores translucent straw with a finger of white foam. Nose is fruity pebbles, citrus, bitter hop, and earth
0: fruity pebbles you need to get your sniffer fixed
1: earth nose of earth
0: and what was fruity pebbles the taste
1: fruity no nose of fruity pebbles citrus bitter hop and earth
0: earth just the earth
1: earth earth.
0: smells like earth
1: (laughs) taste follows suit there's a lot going on here but it all melds perfectly it is a delicious easy drinker feel is crisp and sharp but smooth excellent I agree with Excellent.
0: the feel. I don't want any more. Fruity Pebbles. I don't know what he's talking about. Have you had Fruity Pebbles? That's another cereal we've got to get. Oh, I love that cereal. I have some in my apartment right now. Are you kidding me? No. Yes, of course. Hmm. All right. I'm not impressed.
1: I like your phone case. Thanks.
0: <clears throat> Outer space. <laughs> commonly shortened to just space, <laughs> just space.
1: For the layman. Yeah, for the layman. It's space.
0: For you non-astrophysicists <laughs> out there, is the expanse that exists beyond Earth and its atmosphere and between celestial bodies. If you really need me to explain this, like, what space is, I just... I love it. Who are you? You know Did what Did you go to school?
1: It's the black stuff in the sky.
0: It is a hard vacuum, like a Dyson.
1: As opposed to the soft
0: effects. Exactly. Containing a low density of particles, predominantly a plasma of hydrogen and helium, as well as electromagnetic radiation, magnetic fields, dust, and cosmic rays. I have a tickle in my throat. The baseline temperature of outer space, as set by the background radiation from the Big Bang, is 2.7 kelvins, or negative 454.81 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah,
1: that's cold as hell. That's
0: cold. The plasma between galaxies is thought to account for about half of the baryonic matter in the universe called Ordinary Matter.
1: Why am I talking like this? <laughs> <laughs> Half of the, uh, the
0: universe. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly all matter that may be encountered or experienced in everyday life is baryonic matter. Hmm. Not Barry Manilow. Baryonic <laughs> matter <laughs> It includes atoms of any sort and provides them with the property of mass. Oh. That mass though. Yeah, Adam's got some, mass. <laughs> got some mass. Having a number density of less than one hydrogen atom per cubic meter and a temperature of millions of Kelvins. <laughs> 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 Just gonna keep doing different voices. <laughs> Studies indicate that 90% of the mass in most galaxies is in an unknown form called dark matter, which interacts with other matter through gravitational but not electromagnetic forces. Mm -hmm. Get it, guys? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Observations suggest that the majority of the mass energy in the observable universe is dark energy, a type of vacuum energy that is poorly understood. Intergalactic space takes up most of the volume of the universe, but even galaxies and star systems consist almost entirely of empty space. It's crazy. Oh, I don't like the whisper in my ears. It's, It's really crazy. Stop it. You stink. The size of the whole universe is unknown, and it might be infinite in extent. According to the Big Bang Theory, the very early universe was an extremely hot and dense state about 13.8 billion years ago, which rapidly expanded. About three...
1: You're talking about the TV show, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Make sure.
0: Yeah. Young Sheldon's been on for a while. Yeah. About 13.8 billion years. Right. About... 380,000 years later, the universe had cooled sufficiently to allow protons and electrons to combine and form hydrogen, the so-called recombination epoch.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When this happened, matter and energy became decoupled, allowing photons to travel freely through the continual, uh, continually expanding space. God, that's fucking crazy. I know, those photons. Matter that remained following the initial expansion has since undergone gravitational collapse to create stars, galaxies, and other astronomical objects, leaving behind a deep vacuum that forms what is now called outer space. As light has a finite velocity, this theory also constrains the size of the directly observable universe.
1: Science words. It's wild.
0: The present-day shape of the universe has been determined from measurements of the cosmic microwave background using satellites. These observations indicate that the spatial geometry of the observable universe is flat, meaning that photons on parallel paths at one point remain parallel as they travel through space to the limit of the observable universe. Yeah, of course. Except for local gravity.
1: Oh, right, right, All of this
0: makes 100% sense.
1: Yeah, local. I forgot about local gravity. We're going
0: to go into rocket science after this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Outer space is the closest known approximation to a perfect vacuum. Mm-hmm. It has effectively no friction, which a vacuum just is a space devoid of matter. Right. Not like a Dyson. Not like a Dyson. A Dyson is just matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Has covered it. it has effectively no friction, allowing stars, planets, and moves to, moons to move freely along their ideal orbits. Not the gum. Following the initial formation <coughs> stage, the deep vacuum of intergalactic space is not devoid of matter as it contains a few hydrogen atoms per cubic meter. By comparison, the, airs, the air humans breathe contains about 10 molecules. Mo, mo, Molecules per cubic meter. It says ten, and then it says twenty-five in tiny. You know how that'd oh, be like a cu-
1: twenty-five in tiny. <laughs> tiny. <laughs> ten to the twenty-five. Yeah,
0: ten to the twenty-fifth or whatever. Mm-hmm. The low density of matter in outer ten to the tiny. <laughs> <laughs> ten
1: to the tiny twenty-five.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the low density of matter in outer space. I uh, I did not take physics. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I failed math class
0: means that electromagnetic radiation can travel great distances without being scattered. Hmm. Stars, planets, and moons, and horseshoes, clovers, and balloons (laughs) (laughs) retain their atmospheres by gravitational attraction. I produce gravitational attraction. (laughs) Atmospheres have no clearly... Uh, Upper boundary. The density of atmospheric gas gradually decreases with distance from the object until it becomes indistinguishable from outer space. So we just kind of merge together. Hmm. The temperature of outer space is measured in terms of the kinetic activity of the gas as it is on Earth. The radiation of outer space has a different temperature than the kinetic temperature of the gas, meaning that the gas and radiation are not in thermodynamic equilibrium. Oh, no. Woe is me. All of the observable universe is filled with photons that were created during the Big Bang, which is known as the cosmic microwave background radiation. The gas temperatures in outer space can vary widely. For example, the temperature in the Boomerang Nebula is 1K. You're gonna say the temperature in the, <laughs> the boob? In the boob, because I'm touching my boob. <sighs> While the solar corona reaches temperatures over 1.2 to 2.6 million K. That's a lot of K. That's a lot. <laughs> you should only do a little K. <laughs> Not a lot. I am in so much pain on my side right now. That's really weird. Uh, it's I'm fat. I'm fat and old. Hmm. That's what it is, buddy. That's what happens. Don't get fat. Er. <laughs> I'm or. I'm sorry. Old. Despite the harsh environment, several life forms have been found that can withstand extreme space conditions for extended periods. Species of lichen, lichen, mm-hmm. carried out, um I'm sorry, carried on the ESA Biopan facility, survived exposure for 10 days in 2007. Seeds of Arabidopo... I'm sorry, Arabidopsis thaliana, okay. uh, and nicotine, germinated <laughs> after being exposed to space for 1.5 years.
1: What are those uh, little um, water bears? Tardigrades. Tardigrades? Yeah, I think those can survive in space too. Tardigrades. They sent they sent a few of those up there, and they were like, "Yeah, no problem."
0: Yeah, tardigrades can survive in anything. Yeah. Um, a strain of Bacillus subtilis. Bacillus? <laughs> it's a type of bacteria found in soil. Oh. Have survived 559 days when exposed to low Earth orbit or a simulated Martian environment. Even at relatively low altitudes in the Earth's atmosphere, conditions are hostile to the human body. Mm-hmm. The altitude where atmospheric pressure matches the vapor pressure of water at the temperature of the human body is called the Armstrong line. Oh. Named after a physician it is located at an altitude of around uh, 11.89 miles at or above the Armstrong line. Fluids in the throat and lungs boil away. Mm-hmm. More specifically, exposed bodily liquids such as saliva, tears, and liquids in the lungs boil away. Hence, at this altitude, human survival requires a pressure suit or a pressurized capsule. Out in space, sudden exposure of an unprotected human to very low pressure, such as during a rapid decompression, can cause pulmonary barotrauma, Barotrauma? Mm -hmm. a rupture of the lungs due to the large, large pressure differential between inside and outside the chest. Even if the subject's airway is fully open, the flow of air through the windpipe may be too slow to prevent the rupture. Rapid decompression can rupture eardrums and sinuses, bruising and blood seep can occur in soft tissues, and shock can cause an increase in oxygen consumption that leads to hypoxia. As a consequence of rapid decompression, oxygen dissolved in the blood empties into the lung to try to equalize the partial pressure partial pressure gradient. Mm. Once the deoxygenated blood arrives at the brain, humans lose consciousness after a few seconds and die of hypoxia within minutes.
1: Mm-hmm. You said about eleven miles Yes, I was interested uh, I looked up because um, planes fly at about thirty thousand feet mm-hmm. I think thirty thirty five thousand um, that's about six point six miles. so we're about halfway there when in, we fly when we fly in planes and you you can I mean notice like the pressure and in, in your ears and stuff like that. And it feels weird, but nowhere near. Any of that. That sounds awful.
0: Yeah. Blood and other bodily fluids boil when the pressure drops below 6.3 kPa. And this co- condition is called eb- uh, ebulism? Ebulism. Kilopascals. Kilopascals. Yeah. The steam may bloat the body due to, to twice its normal size and slow Ooh. circulation, but tissues are elastic and porous enough to prevent rupture. The crew altitude protection suit or caps. A fitted elastic garment designed in the 1960s for astronauts prevents ebulism at pressures as low as 2 pascals. Hmm. Supplemental oxygen is needed at 5 miles to provide enough oxygen for breathing and to prevent water loss. While above 12 miles, pressure suits are essential to prevent ebullism. Ebulism. 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 Most spacesuits use around 30 to 39 pascals of pure oxygen, about the same as on the Earth's surface. Humans evolved for life in Earth's gravity, and exposure to weightlessness has been shown to have... uh, 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 Really? You don't say. My brain is... Doug Dividone? Doug Dividone, owner of the... (laughs) <laughs> Effects on human health. Mm-hmm. Initially, more than fifty percent of astronauts experience space motion sickness. This can cause nausea and vomiting, vertigo, headaches, lethargy, and overall malaise. Malaise. The duration of space sickness varies, but it typically lasts for one to three days. After which, the body adjusts to the new environment. Mm. Long term exposure to weightlessness results in muscle atrophy mm-hmm. and deterioration of the skeleton or space flight osteopenia. osteopenia. These effects can be minimized through a regimen of exercise. How do you exercise in weightlessness? Other effects include fluid redistribution, slowing of the cardiovascular system, decreased production of red blood cells, balance disorders, and a weakening of the immune system. Lesser symptoms include loss of body mass, nasal congestion, sleep disturbance, and puffiness of the face.
1: Yeah, we weren't meant to uh, exist up there. No. There's uh, stories of like, what if you were born in... Oh, Vsauce has a great video. What if you were born in space? Um, Yeah, check that out. Non-sponsored plug. I don't watch Vesos. Okay.
0: During long-duration space travel, radiation can pose an acute health hazard. Exposure to high-energy ionizing cosmic rays can result in fatigue, nausea, vomiting, as well as damage to the immune system and changes to the white blood cell count. Over longer durations, symptoms include an increased risk of cancer, plus damage to the eyes, nervous system, lungs, and the gastrointestinal tract. On a round trip Mars mission lasting three years, a large fraction of the cells in an astronaut's body would be traversed and potentially damaged by high-energy nuclei. The energy of such particles is significantly diminished by the shielding provided by the walls of a spacecraft and can be further diminished by water containers and other barriers. The impact of the cosmic rays upon the shielding produces additional radiation that can affect the crew. For the research is needed to assess the radiation hazards and determine suitable countermeasures. There's a thing called the Outer Space Treaty.
1: Oh, yeah. I've heard about that. Provides
0: the, it basically provides the basic framework for international space law. We have space law.
1: We've got a space force. It's silly.
0: It covers the legal use of outer space by nation states and includes in its definition of outer space the moon and other celestial bodies. The treaty states that outer space is free for all nation states to explore and is not subject to claims of national sovereignty, calling outer space the providence of all mankind. The treaty was passed by the United Nations, I'm sorry, the United Nations General Assembly in 1963 and signed in 1967 by the USSR, the United States of America, and the United Kingdom. As of 2017, 105 state parties have either ratified or acceded to the treaty. Hmm. What do you go into?
1: I talk about um, deaths that occurred in space. Oh,
0: that's cool. I'm into that. Yeah. Um, there's so much that you can talk about. It's There's a
1: lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, space is...
0: Here's some fun facts. Huge. Ow, my spine. Space is completely silent. There's no mm-hmm. atmosphere in space, which means that sound has no medium or way to travel to be heard. So when you die in space... Nobody hears you scream. Oh. I don't even think I don't even think you can scream in space. If you're in a spacesuit.
1: Well, if you're in a spacesuit, yeah.
0: I just my thought process is because as soon as you go into space, you are dead, right? You die pretty much immediately.
1: Yeah, if you yeah, right, if you're not seconds. in a spacesuit. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So are you really there if you're dead? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if yeah, you're in a spacesuit that means quick. you're in space. Right. So if you scream, no one can hear you. You're right. Yeah. The hottest planet in our solar system is 450 degrees Celsius. It's Venus. That's right. Venus is cool. It's got acid rain.
1: You'd assume it was Mercury, but...
0: You'd think with how close it is to the sun. Yeah. Venus is the hottest planet in the solar system and has an average surface temperature of around 450 degrees Celsius. Oof. A full NASA spacesuit costs... $12 $12 million. Jesus.
1: <laughs> I know. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, oh, my God.
0: 70% of the cost is for the backpack and control module. Wow. The spacesuits that NASA uses were built in 74. If they were priced by today's pricing, they would cost an estimated $150 million. God. The sun's mass takes up 99.86% of the solar system.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sun's pretty big.
0: The mass of the sun is about 330,000 times that of the earth. Mm-hmm. It is also made of mostly hydrogen.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: About one million earths can fit inside the sun.
1: Yeah, it's also very hot.
0: What? Yep. No. It is. You're wrong. It is. It's very hot. You're No. You're mm-hmm. full of shit. Mm-hmm. There are more trees on Earth than stars in the Milky Way. What? Doesn't that sound weird?
1: No way. I got
0: my facts from a university. <laughs> so we know is from, they're right. This is from an accredited school.
1: <laughs> no fucking way.
0: There are about three trillion trees on planet Earth, and between one hundred to four hundred billion stars in the galaxy. That's it. That's just our galaxy, though.
1: Three trillion trees.
0: a lot of trees. Not with deforestation. Go donate.
1: Yeah, exactly. Save the world. Smokey the bear.
0: <laughs> the sunset on Mars appears blue. Wow. According to NASA, fine dust makes the blue near the sun's part of the sky much more visible-like, while normal daylight makes the red planet's familiar rusty dust color the most perceptible to the human eye. Hmm. There are more stars in the universe than grains of sand on Earth.
1: Yes. Uh, that's Yeah, that was the fact that I was thinking about.
0: However, scientists estimate the universe contains approximately a big number of stars. It's pretty big. Or a septillion. Oh, that's a lot. That is a big number. While no one can actually count every single grain of sand on oh, the me. earth, <laughs> just you wait, I have a lot of time. Away, it's... Is that a fucking challenge? <laughs> the estimated total from researchers at the University of Hawaii is somewhere around seven quintillion five hundred quadrillion grains. I've never had to use those words.
1: Seven quintillion five hundred quadrillion?
0: Yeah. They're <laughs> 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 just making shit up now. <laughs> One day on Venus is longer than one year? Question mark? (laughs) Venus has a slow axis rotation, which takes 243 Earth days to complete its day. The orbit of Venus around the sun is 225 Earth days, making a year on Venus 18 days less than a day on Venus. Wow. Weird. Hmm. There is a planet made of diamonds. It's twice the size of Earth. It's called Super Earth, (laughs) a.k.a. 55 um, Cancri? It's mostly covered in graphite and diamond. How far away is it? I don't know. It doesn't say. Look it up.
1: Doing it. Thanks.
0: (laughs) And then I leave you with some fun facts about black holes. You cannot directly see a black hole. A black hole is called a black hole because of its color, especially since light can't escape. What we can see, though, is the effects of a black hole. Mm-hmm. For example, a star that's close enough to a black hole can be seen being ripped apart. I want to see a star being ripped apart. That Damn. sounds interesting.
1: Um, it, is, uh, it is 41 light years away from the sun.
0: How much is a light year again?
1: It's um, how long it takes to travel in a year. No. It's how long it takes light to travel in a year. So if you travel at the speed of light, you you will go a light year's distance in a year.
0: The death of large stars leads to black holes. Because a star's gravity will overwhelm the star's natural pressure that it maintains to keep its shape. When the pressure from the nuclear reactions collapses, gravity overwhelms and collapses the star's core, and the star's other layers are thrown off into space, and this process is also known as a supernova. The -hmm. remainder of the core collapses, a spot overcome by density and without volume, a black hole. Mm -hmm. There are three categories of black holes. Primordial black holes. These are the smallest of black holes and range from an atom's size to a mountain's mass. Stellar black holes. And these are the most common of black holes. They can be up to 20 times more massive than the sun. Wow. There are also a variety of these all over the Milky Way. Super massive black holes. These are the largest black holes. What? Being more than 1 million times more massive than the sun. I can't imagine something that fucking huge. That makes me feel so tiny. And that, something
1: that massive takes, it pulls, it has a lot of gravitational pull. The more mass it has, the more gravitational energy it has. Mm-hmm. That's the way I understand it, so it's like that's doing a lot of sucking.
0: Say someone <laughs> falls into a black hole, and there's an observer that witnesses this. Mm-hmm. The person who fell into the black hole, who fell into the black hole, time slows down uh, relative to the person watching.
1: Again, Vsauce has another great video. What if you fall into a black hole? They, they explain everything. It's pretty great.
0: This is explained by Einstein's theory of general relativity, which states that time is affected by how fast you are going when you're at extreme speeds close to light. Mm-hmm. The first black hole wasn't discovered until X-ray astronomy was used. Cygnus X-1 was the first black hole discovered in the 1960s, and it's 10 times more massive than the sun
1: you uh you reminded me too um you're talking about if you saw someone fall into a black hole it's one of the things that uh, Michael Stevens talks about in the video you would see the person uh approach the center of the black hole slower and slower and slower and slower until it looks like they they just stopped moving uh-huh. and then they would slowly disappear like they like
0: would, the matter would yeah, just
1: uh, they'd be frozen you would see them frozen and then it's like the it, matter would just dissolve it would fade out.
0: That's creepy. It's like
1: their entire body just fades out.
0: That's creepy. Yeah, it's
1: insane. It's yeah, so don't weird. Fuck <laughs> don't fuck with black holes. Don't fuck
0: with black holes. The closest black hole is probably V four six four seven Sagittarii was thought to be sixteen hundred light years away, but is further away than expected. Scientists now believe that this black hole is about twenty thousand light years away.
1: Oh yeah, twenty yeah uh, twenty six thousand light years. 132 million mile radius it's 4 million years old what the fuck <laughs> Jesus Christ and I'm 26 no, I'm, yeah, man. I'm, I'm 27
0: you're a speck in the universe baby <laughs> that's hmm. my section blowing my mind now I want to try and find a video of a black hole doing something.
1: Yeah, th- no, that Vsauce video about black holes is great. Is there a
0: video of a black hole?
1: Uh, there's like, like a lot of... Yeah, he shows pictures of actual black holes, and there's a lot of black hole simulation videos he shows. That's <laughs> just a picture of a black hole. I can put it up on the TV if you want.
0: If you really want to watch it. I just want to be scared. Black holes are crazy. Yeah, man. The universe is crazy. Hmm.
1: I'll try to go through my section pretty quick. Uh, I'm going to start with, uh, there's a video from Tech Insider, and this is the narration of the video. What would happen if you went to space without a spacesuit? Oh. Whatever you do, don't hold your breath. The vacuum of space will pull the air from your body. Oh. So if there's air left in your lungs, they will rupture. Oxygen in the rest of your body will go- also expand. You'll balloon up twice your normal size, but you won't explode. Your skin is elastic enough to hold you together. Any exposed liquid on your body will begin to vaporize, so the surfaces of your tongue and eyes will boil, like you mentioned. Without air in your lungs, blood will stop sending oxygen to your brain. You'll pass out after about 15 seconds. 90 seconds after exposure, you'll die from asphyxiation. It's also very cold in space. You'll eventually freeze solid. Depending on where you are in space, this will take about 12 to 26 hours. But if you're close to a star, you'll be burnt to a crisp instead. Either way, your body will remain that way for a long time. Gut bacteria will start to eat you from the inside out, but not for long. So you will decompose very slowly. Hmm. You could be floating in space unchanged for millions of years. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That's what happens if you just exist in space. Um, I'll talk about a few deaths that occurred in space, like I mentioned earlier. But first, we need to talk about the Kármán line. It's K-A-R-M-A-N, and both of the A's have a little dash over them. (laughs) The Kármán line. The Kármán line is an attempt to define a boundary between Earth's atmosphere and outer space. The FAI which is something french but it's the world uh the world governing body for air sports defines the karman line as space beginning 62 miles above earth's mean sea level this is essentially the edge of space is the karman line so there's there were attempts to figure out where space starts and where earth starts mm. the karman line in total, there have been 19 deaths that have occurred in space or during the return trip to Earth from space. These four occurred below the Kármán line. April 24, 1967. This was the USSR Soyuz 1 mission piloted by Vladimir Komorov.
0: It's always a Vladimir.
1: Always a Vladimir or a Vladislav. Uh. This one-day mission was plagued by a series of mishaps with the new spacecraft type, culminating with its parachute not opening properly after atmospheric re-entry. After launch, a solar panel failed to unfold, leading to a shortage of power for the spacecraft's systems. Later, the automatic stabilization system was completely dead, and the manual system was only partially effective. At this point, the flight director decided to abort the mission. After 18 orbits, Soyuz-1 fired its retro rockets and re-entered the Earth's atmosphere. To slow the descent, first the drogue parachute was deployed, followed by the main parachute. However, due to another defect, the main parachute did not unfold. So many defects. The exact reason why is unknown. Komarov then activated the manually deployed reserve chute, but it became tangled with the drogue chute, which did not release as intended. As a result, the descent module fell to Earth almost entirely unimpeded at about 89 miles an hour. Damn. Komarov was killed when the capsule hit the ground at high speed. The Soyuz 1 crash site is approximately two miles west of Karabutak province of Orenburg in the Russian Feder- Federation. And a small park on the side of the road is a memorial monument consisting of a black column with a, bus- a bust of Komarov at the top.
0: A bust. A bust. A A bustier.
1: November 15th, 1967. This was the U.S. X-15 flight 3-65-97, piloted by Michael J. Adams. During X-15 flight 191, Adams' seventh flight, the plane had an electrical problem followed by control problems at the apogee of its flight. The pilot may also have become disoriented. Oh, boy. During re-entry from a 266,000-foot apogee, the X-15 yawed and went into a spin at Mach 5. The pilot recovered, but went into a Mach 4.7 inverted dive. As the X-15 neared 65,000 feet, it was diving at almost Mach 4, approximately 2,600 miles per hour. Excessive loading led to structural breakup. The aircraft was destroyed and Adams died. Adams was posthumously awarded astronaut wings as his flight had passed an altitude of 50 miles.
0: That's so sad. January 28,
1: 1986. This was U.S. flight STS-51-L. Gregory Jarvis, Krista McAuliffe, Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Judith Resnick, Michael J. Smith, and Dick Scobie, were passengers of the space shuttle Challenger. 73 seconds after Challenger lifted off, the shuttle was destroyed at an altitude of 49,000 feet. The investigation found that cold weather conditions caused an O-ring seal to fail, allowing hot gases from the shuttle, solid rocket booster, to impinge on the external propellant tank and booster strut. The strut and aft end of the tank failed, allowing the top end of the solid rocket booster to rotate into the top of the tank and causing it to explode. Challenger was thrown sideways into the Mach 1.8 windstream and broke up with the loss of all seven crew members. NASA investigators determined they may have survived the spacecraft disintegration, possibly unconscious from hypoxia. Some tried to activate their emergency oxygen. Any survivors of the breakup were killed, however, when the largely intact cockpit hit the water at 200 miles per hour. About half of the vehicle's remains were never recovered, and fragments still washed ashore as long as a decade later on the coast of Florida.
0: That's insane.
1: You've seen the Challenger explosion, right? Uh, probably. Back in uh, while, 86? 86.
0: you're looking very carefully at the situation. Looking very carefully oh, at the
1: situation. <laughs> Obviously a major malfunction. Yeah, that was uh Here live on TV. So sad. February 1st. February. 2003. This <laughs> is US flight STS-107. Mm-hmm. Rick D husband William C McCool. McCool? Michael P Anderson. David M. Brown, Kalpana Chawla, Laurel Clark, and f- the first Israeli astronaut, Ilan Ramon, were passengers of the space shuttle Columbia. During its planned reentry, the spacecraft broke apart at an altitude of approximately 40 miles and a velocity of Mach 19, about 14,570 miles per hour. The shuttle's heat shield was compromised due to damage sustained during the initial ascent. Investigation revealed that a piece of foam insulation had fallen off the external tank and hit the shuttle during launch, damaging the reinforced carbon carbon leading edge of the left wing and allowing the extreme heat of re-entry to cause structural failure. The accident triggered a seven month investigation and a search for debris and over 85,000 pieces were collected over the course of the initial investigation, which consisted of about only 38% of the orbiter vehicle. They were unable to recover the rest. Mm. Um, But yeah, all the heat, the intense heat coming back into um, Earth's atmosphere, that weak point on the ship caused it to break apart. And then this incident is the first and only recorded astronaut fatality occurring above the Karman Line, which again is 62 miles above Earth's mean (laughs) sea level. This uh, occurred on June 30th, 1971. This was USSR flight Soyuz-11, manned by Georgi Dobrovolsky, Viktor Patsayev, and Vladislav Volkov. Mm-hmm. On June 29th, these three uh, cosmonauts loaded scientific specimens, films, tapes, and other gear into Soyuz-11, then transferred manual control back from Salyut one to Soyuz-11 and returned to their ferry craft, Before re-entering Earth's atmosphere, both the work compartment and the service module were routinely jettisoned. This occurred at about 2247 GMT, when radio communications abruptly ended when the work compartment separated well before the normal ionospheric blackout. Um, so they, around 2247 GMT, communications just stopped between ground control and the astronauts, um, And it it occurred before ionospheric blackout. And so apparently there's a period of time during re-entry where communications are lost due to interference. And you pass through the ionosphere, and there's too much interference for the radios to be able to communicate with each other. I don't know how bad it is now with uh, advances in technology, but back in 71, that's what would happen. Almost 25 minutes later, Soyuz Soyuz 11's automatic systems landed the craft safely at 2316 GMT in Kazakhstan after an apparently normal return to Earth. Karim Karimov, chair of the state commission, recalled, Outwardly, there was no damage whatsoever. They knocked on the side, but there was no response from within. On opening the hatch, they found all three men in their couches, motionless with dark blue patches on their faces and trails of blood from their noses and ears. They removed them from the descent module. Dobrovolsky was still warm. The doctors gave artificial respiration. Based on their reports, the cause of death was suffocation. Mm. It quickly became apparent that the head asphyxiated. The fault was traced to a breathing ventilation valve located between the orbital module and the descent module that had been jolted open as the descent module separated from the service module, 12 minutes and 3 seconds after retrofire. The two modules were held together by explosive bolts designed to fire sequentially. In fact, they had fired simultaneously. The explosive force of the simultaneous bolt firing caused the internal mechanism of the pressure equalization valve to loosen a seal that was usually discarded later, and which normally allowed for automatic adjustment of the cabin pressure. The valve opened at an altitude of 104 miles, and the resultant loss of pressure was fatal within seconds. The valve was located beneath the seats and was impossible to find and block before the air was lost. Flight recorder data from the single cosmonaut outfitted with biomedical sensors showed cardiac arrest occurred within 40 seconds of pressure loss. By 15 minutes, 35 seconds after retrofire, the cabin pressure was zero and remained there until the capsule entered the Earth's atmosphere. The cosmonauts were given a large state funeral and buried in the remains of Yuri Gagarin. They were also each posthumously awarded the Hero of the Soviet Union Medal. That's my section. Wow. Deaths in space. I was
0: expecting more dramatic stuff.
1: The last one was pretty dramatic. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Everything was fine. And then they knocked down the spaceship and everyone was dead.
0: The blue patches on the face I thought
1: was interesting. Yeah, that was crazy. And the blood just... Yeah. Oh, God, I can't imagine. Um, space is great, but I think I want to stay down here. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You will not get me into space. What do you think of beer?
1: <laughs> I thought it was decent, um, but I don't know. Something about the pilsner mixed with the hoppiness. I don't think happiness really belongs in pilsners.
0: No, you don't?
1: No, I don't.
0: <laughs> no, I don't.
1: Uh, food truck was delicious. Um, I liked that pill. I I typically like Pilsner's, but if I ordered a Pilsner and I got this, I'd be a little disappointed. It's not a terrible beer. It's just a little too different than what I'm used to drinking or what I like. Uh, Out of a lager. Out of a lager. It's got the hoppiness of an ale, let me tell you. You?
0: It's very hoppy, and when you say Pilsner, I don't really expect that. Yeah. And it was just said i don't know I'm, i've lost interest in hops i guess
1: anything happy yeah. we should have another sour beer remember when you said your next beer was gonna <laughs> I was like yeah remember you said the next beer you were gonna get was a saint around beer yeah and you didn't do
0: that i keep you on your toes maybe i'll do it for my next episode all right if i can find it i haven't seen it at bennie's at all
1: yeah, I don't uh I don't typically shop around at Benny's. It's like I know the beer that I n wanna get and I go to the Benny's and I get it. But, but I've been
0: I mean I haven't been in like a month now. Um okay. because I buy in bulk. Um yeah. but the last yeah. time I was there there was no Santa Rot beers.
1: Well, next time I'm at a Benny's, I'll need to restock soon. My bar's looking a little thin.
0: Yeah, it's looking pathetic actually. <laughs> Uh, I'm honestly I'll, surprised you can make me a drink.
1: <laughs> I'll look around for some Santa Rosa. stuff. I was and expecting
0: you to just like pop out like an old saltine and then spit in it. And that called me a drink.
1: Yeah. Bam. Saltine spit. This is what I call the salty surprise. The salty surprise. Um, that Santa Rosa, that blackberry grunt. Oh my God. That sour was Talk so good. Talk
0: dirty to me. That was so good.
1: Oh, if you're not in a hurry, I have a Michigan beer that you might be interested in oh, trying. Oh, I am. Okay. Alright.
0: I love time, you, but I have work tomorrow.
1: Next time it it it's a it's a sour, it's a kettle sour. Mm. And it, it tastes like breakfast in a bowl. Oh. It's so good. Interesting. And it's uh well I need to check. I can't remember if it's strawberry or raspberry.
0: It's both. I'll need to double it.
1: check. If it's strawberry you can't have it, yeah. Like,
0: oh well. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. it just like jam. It's so good. It tastes like jam. Yeah beerandfearcast.com so you can listen to beer and fear on all popular podcast platforms including spotify google podcasts apple podcasts and more visit com today
0: my sister got another speeding ticket what the fuck that girl has gotten so many speeding tickets in her life i swear to god she needs to be better at not getting caught
1: that's what it is, yeah. She can continue to speed, but be better at not getting caught. And then beerandfearcast at gmail.com. fearcast at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to us, no one's going to, but I'm required to say it. It's in my By contract. By law. It's in my contract. Who and do you a, have a contract with? Yeah. Uh, it's not
0: important. I feel like it is important since we both co host this show. Are you getting paid for this? I'd like to know. Not important. You know, I'm not getting paid, but if we're being honest, you'd make more than me because you're a man. <laughs> That's terrible. It's facts.
1: Here on International Women's Day.
0: <laughs> Gotta preach. There for my women. Coming next episode, he'll be replaced with a woman. New co-host. I think it would be
1: a better show. actually. I agree, I yeah,
0: I know. I think it'd be yep. too. It'd probably be funnier other than me, so mm-hmm. we wouldn't have to rely just on me for the comedy portion. You know. You're right. You get
1: it. Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. I'm the one with the fans.
1: Everyone loves you, Paige. <laughs>